pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered. And I think one of the most important disciplines that you can have as an investor is that of having a strong sell discipline. Best ever listeners, before we get into today's episode, I'm pleased and honored to be introducing you to Trevor McGregor. You recognize his name. He's been on the show multiple times. Just search Trevor McGregor, Joe Fairless, and you'll hear his interviews that I did with him, and he has a lot of value during those interviews. Well, he's had a lot of value in my life. For the last five years, I have hired him to be a consultant to help me with my real estate business and just personal stuff too as a life slash business coach. And he's taken my game to a different level. Before I hired him, I had four single family homes and oh, by the way, I was also single. Fast forward to today, my company controls over $300 million worth of real estate and I am happily, happily married. Clearly results are going to vary, but He has helped me in five years do things that I didn't even have on my radar. So I suggest that you speak to Trevor McGregor if you're looking to take your real estate investing business to the next level. If you've had success and are looking to build on that success, then he's your guy. Go to trevormcgregor.com or coachwithtrevor.com. And you'll be able to apply for a conversation with him, coachwithtrevor.com. We used to do a free consultation. We got too many free consultations, and he actually is pretty full with his consulting program, and he's very conscientious about the value that he adds. He wants to add tremendous value, so he's being very selective with the people who he does work with. So go to coachwithtrevor.com and apply to have a conversation with him. And then you two can decide if it makes sense to work together or not and hire him as a consultant. It has impacted my life in a tremendously positive way. Him and his wife have gone to my wedding. Trevor's been to my conference a couple years. And I know him well. And I suggest that you get to know him as well. Coachwithtrevor.com. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. With us today, Danielle DiMartino Booth. How you doing, Danielle? I'm doing great today. How are you? I'm doing well and nice to have you on the show. A little bit about Danielle. She is the founder of Money Strong, which is an economic consulting firm. She's also the author of Fed Up, an insider's take on why the Federal Reserve is bad for America. And she is based in Dallas, Texas. She's a global thought leader on monetary policy and economics. So that being said, Danielle, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Sure. I made my bones being one of the few hated individuals in the country predicting the housing crisis that came from my Wall Street background and understanding trader speak and what 125% loan-to-value toxic waste piece of garbage was. And that really did open the door for me kind of to being unhinged in my opinion, which caught the attention of the Federal Reserve. The gallows humor when I joined the Fed back in 2006 prior to the crisis hitting was that they had hired me to shut me up. That was pretty effective because I went silent for nine years as an advisor to Richard Fisher, one of the better known hawks on the Federal Open Market Committee throughout the crisis years. He retired. I followed him into retirement. The first thing and last thing I can tell you about myself is I'm the worst bureaucrat ever known. And since then, I have written a weekly newsletter and become quite the authority on pensions and commercial real estate and the intersection thereof. 
So with your newsletter, that's the weekly news that comes out regularly, as real estate investors, what should we be paying attention to if we were reading your newsletter? Really, inflection point is what I would focus most on. Commercial real estate in general has been underpinned in a very strong way by the tremendous foreign flows that have resulted from interest rates here increasing. So from foreigners looking for a better, stabler place to put their money in, quote unquote, hard assets. And I think going forward, a lot of the focus is going to be on the pronounced downtrend we've seen in especially construction lending, as well as how retail shrinking its footprint has the ability to bleed into other sectors of the commercial real estate market. And can you elaborate on that? Well, if you think about where Class B and Class C malls are, mm-hmm. many of them are in pristine, great locations. Yep. So by the same token, there's going to be a finite appetite for repurposing these malls. Here in Dallas, where I live, for example, they're in the process of raising a Class B property very slowly, but they're raising it to the ground in order to free up the land that's underneath it. Now, if you expand that strategy, if you will, to other markets, that means that you're going to have prime real estate competing for commercial real estate in the years to come, and that supply of prime real estate is going to be increasing on the heels of what we know to be the most overvalued time for this particular sector. Like it or not, that's just what the data say. Mm -hmm. So as real estate investors who are listening to this, what are some things we can do to be ahead of this and take advantage of it? Well, it was years ago that Leon Black said, and this is of private equity in general, I'm selling everything that's not nailed to the ground. And I think to be opportunistic sellers in this kind of environment is really wise. I think locking in rent while you can is also really wise. Understanding that corporate America and how it operates and the amount of square footage that it requires is changing as we speak. It is a dynamic dynamic. And we see that all over the place with shadow inventories bulging at the seams. We're starting to finally see some stress emanating from the office sector. And I would argue that this is a reflection of a lot of the supply that is coming online in addition to the overbuilding that we're beginning to realize has occurred in the multifamily and in the restaurant and in the hotel spaces. Mm-hmm. So with the quote, I'm selling everything that isn't nailed to the ground, you mentioned that because your suggestion is to sell at this point if you were considering selling? I think so. For all of the years that I was now no longer with this firm called Donaldson, Lufkin, and Jenrette, I kept on retaping a sticky to my computer screen that said, pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered. And I think one of the most important disciplines that you can have as an investor is that of having a strong sell discipline. Mm -hmm. If you see that you've made a great return, then you should definitely take that money off the table while you can be opportunistic, sell into selling opportunities. Mm -hmm. So know what your price point is to sell initially. And then when you reach that, then sell because with that sticky note, hogs get slaughtered, pigs get fat, something like that. 
I've, I've heard it before. Pigs yeah, get fat, hogs get, yeah, no, go. no, pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered. Yeah, yeah. And to shift gears a little bit, I will never forget staring at that sticky, trying to talk a huge holder of Cisco systems into pairing back their position to their cost basis in 1999 and failing. And then being told much after the fact, gee, I should have listened to you. Uh-huh. And again, it, in this environment, it is not about maximizing your return. It's about assuring your return. I'd love to run something by you because I did not invest in 2008 because I didn't have money to invest. I was saving up my pennies. I'm from Fort Worth. I was living in New York City at the time. I bought my first house in Dallas, Duncanville, and then bought some more in DFW. And then now I've got a portfolio of apartment communities in DFW and in Houston. And I've interviewed 1,300 or so people every single day for the last 1,300 days. Well, one person, one person a day <laughs> for the last 1,300 days, 1,300 or so people. You're very busy. I'm quite impressed. And, That's and prolific. So I mentioned that only because here's what I've learned, and this is what I want to run by you. So what I've learned is that in 2008, when people lost their shirts, I'm only talking real estate investors. That's my world. I don't know stocks. I don't know bonds. I don't know other stuff. So real estate investing, the people who lost their money, one of three things or combination of three things happened to them. One is they bought for appreciation, not cash flow. So they weren't making money every month. Therefore, when times get tough, now they're underwater and they're losing money every month. So that's a problem. The second is they had short-term financing or they were just unlucky and their loan became due during 2008, 2009 when no one was going to want to put a loan on the property or the loan terms were terrible and it was just a bad time to be trying to get financing. That's the second. And then the third is they had some unexpected expense occur and they didn't have the cash reserves. So those are, from what I've found, the only three reasons or a combination of those three that people lost money. So with that as my thought process, going to your comment about selling when you have a strong return, I'm with you on that. But my thought is, as long as I don't break any one of those three cardinal rules, I don't have to sell. I don't have to try and time the markets. I can simply be a long-term player That way I'm not worried about what's going up and down in the markets. I'm not trying to time anything and and be perfect about that. What are your thoughts? Well, timing never works. And I've officially spoken out of both sides of my mouth. But again, it all hinges on what your position is. And if you're cash flow positive and you can see over the horizon and know that you're going to remain cash flow positive and not be beholden to refinancing, then you can certainly do the math yourself and hold on Mm -hmm. and continue to clip that coupon, so to speak. It really does depend on your starting point and how strong you are in your position. And regardless of which investment we're talking about, which asset class we're talking about, if you're cash flow positive and you can remain cash flow positive with some good assurance, then you are absolutely correct. There's no being forced into selling anything. I suppose I'm speaking more to the people who are looking for that appreciation in the property who maybe bought at really high prices and don't have that same kind of security that you describe. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, makes sense. Yeah, 100%. Just wanted to run that by you and get your opinion. Sure. Uh, no, no, it's absolutely intuitive. You're right. What is the biggest challenge you have on a daily basis with your business? On a daily basis with my business, what's the biggest challenge that yeah, I may, have? May, well, it, may, it may be interesting problem that you're solving for or something that you kind of got a soapbox for and it's kind of thorn in your side. Anything that comes to mind? Well, look, you have my mind right now on real estate. And one of the biggest thorns in my side is that I've become a close study of pension funds and for that matter, sovereign wealth funds and how they interact with private equity. And my greatest concern is that as we potentially begin to hit a more volatile time in the broad financial markets, that a lot of these pension funds underappreciate the lack of liquidity in some of the alternative investments that they've made. And I will tell you, commercial real estate, private equity funds have been the darling of pension funds for the past 18 months or so. My greatest concern is let's take a pension from state ABC that has reduced their fee structure by investing passively in the stock market and tried to up their long-term returns by gaining exposure to commercial real estate. Mm-hmm. My biggest concern is that as baby boomers retire and cash flow, there's those words again, that there's cash flow, and cash flow becomes a concern because they're actually writing pensioners' checks, not relying on actuarial accounting gimmickry, that they're going to run into the perfect storm of not being able to access liquidity because their stocks have declined, while at the same time realizing the very long-term nature that they've committed to in plowing their money into illiquid commercial real estate, especially on the private equity side where you've got that seven to 10 year commitment for your funding. Mm-hmm. So that it's a real thorn in my side. And it's especially prevalent among the weakest states and cities that have been adversely affected by the recent tax reform bill that is going to cause an acceleration of the shrinking tax base that states like Florida, Texas, Nevada will benefit from going forward. That, that's going to be a huge fill-up for certain states' real estate market and provide a great floor, but by the same token, it's going to accelerate the pain for states whose residents are going to continue to flee. Mm-hmm. What's the ideal solution? Oh, gosh. <laughs> now you're asking the big question. The ideal solution. Well, I, I will tell you that ideal, since we're speaking ideally, The pension fund system in Great Britain, for example, requires that public pensions cap their rate of return assumption at 3.5%, such that they never can go too far out on a risk limb, endangering their pensioners, endangering retirees. I would like to see some sobriety come out of what I expect will be a lot of pension crises in the years to come in the form of legislation that requires that in the future, if you're going to make public promises to firemen and policemen and teachers, that you have to be realistic in your return assumptions so that you never get into the soup again. There's not something in place with the realistic projection guideline? No, absolutely not. Most return assumptions right now are in the neighborhood of six and three quarters to seven and one quarter percent per annum. Most pensions have been unable to hit those bogeys, which means that as a factor of time, they continue to get deeper and deeper and deeper underfunded. If you were in a room full of real estate investors 
and the following question were posed to you, what would you tell them? What is your best advice ever for real estate investors based on your unique experience and background and education? Well, I think to follow the flows would be my best advice. When you see a hurting effect, Mm -hmm. be afraid and be conscientious and try your very best to zig when others are zagging. It's really difficult to do because sometimes you want to ride that wave. So you're a big Bitcoin investor then? (laughs) (laughs) That would be be no. Um, (laughs) That would be the negativo there. Um, No, absolutely not. No, I chuckle and it's not that I don't, look, I'm a former central banker. I'm a reformed central banker. I completely commiserate. I have deep empathy for people who are losing faith in our dollar's ability to retain its value. But by the same token, I don't have much faith in something that has a thousand percent return and people say it's going to be a 3000% return. It doesn't (laughs) pass muster. But I would say that to be contrarian thinking even in a long-term asset class such as real estate, really does afford the people who are going to be most successful over the long haul. I listen to investors like Sam Zell, and they've never had trouble being early to the party, therefore live to invest another day. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Oh, gosh, you're scaring me. Your, your, (laughs) Your youth is coming through. Let's do this. All right, let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. If you want to hire the guy who I hire to help me with my real estate investing business, then go to coachwithtrevor.com. That's coachwithtrevor.com. The Invest This podcast interviews the elite in real estate investment to uncover the secrets to building an empire in every aspect of real estate investment. Visit investthispodcast.com. That's I-N-V-E-S-T-T-H-I-S-P-O-D-C-A-S-T.com for the top 10 real estate books to build your empire and to learn more. Okay. Best ever book you've read? The Lords of Finance. Lords of Finance? Mm-hmm. Okay. What's a mistake you've made in business? Believing people who sell me something that sounds too good to be true twice. <laughs> The same person twice? Okay. No, no, <laughs> no, no. Different entities, different selling strategies, same bad results. What's the best ever way you like to give back? I like to give back mainly through financial literacy. That is the best thing that I feel I can give to other individuals. I'm a supreme translator of jargon and gobbledygook, especially as it pertains to interest rates and monetary policy. And I think that the more I can pull the curtain back on what a lot of central bankers try and confuse us with, the more everyday working people can have a better comprehension of their financial standing and what they should do to be on the safest ground possible. And how can the best ever listeners get in touch with you? Well, you can follow me on Twitter, which is never boring. I don't get lightning (laughs) rounds though. You may have inspired me, but at Demartino Booth, is my Twitter handle, and you can go to my website, do a trial subscription of my newsletter, which is demartinobooth.com. And the easiest way to access who I am, my philosophy, where my thinking is grounded, what my background is, is to grab a copy of Fed Up, the book that I wrote that went to 22 on Amazon and continues to sell magnificently, I'm proud to say. And number one in economic policy category on Amazon as well. 
Well, Danielle, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your expertise. We usually have real estate investors, so this was a different angle that we're used to, and I love it. I, I love hearing from you and based on your background and talking about the, as you said, follow the flows and be aware of macroeconomics and what's going on or listen to people who are aware of that so there's a bit of a, a filter and then see how that can be applied towards what we're doing on the ground. I love the Class B and C mall example where they are raising... You are beautiful articulation. You said it all very, very well. Oh, well, thank you. I'm patting myself on the back right now. So, Danielle, thanks for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Take care. The Invest This podcast interviews the elite in real estate investment to uncover the secrets to building an empire in every aspect of real estate investment. Visit investthispodcast.com. That's I-N-V-E-S-T-T-H-I-S-P-O-D-C-A-S-T.com for the top 10 real estate books to build your empire and to learn more.